Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. scroll back up because i'm at the bottom <laughs> okay hello everyone and welcome to the best damn camp a world verse reading long and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by rick Rowden in timeline order i'm your host author wait no oh god i keep doing that and it never sounds grammatically correct i'm your host fran author of the fantastic young adult adventure series <laughs> i went to the wild and welcome to today's show <laughs> Today I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, you may recognise their voice when they begin. It is Megan, fellow author and co-host of the Monstrous Women podcast. Megan, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so tell everyone who's listening a little bit about you if they don't know who you are, which by the way, if you've been listening to this podcast, you should know. I mean, come on. <laughs> Megan is like a regular, like if you don't, what <laughs> even is your life? What have no, you I've been just... doing? What have you been doing? listening to my opinions about this uh, young adult series. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I co-host the Monstrous Woman podcast, which is a feminist media critique podcast, where basically we look at different mediums, like we're doing fairy tales right now, and we talk about women's representation in them and misogyny affected people's representation in them which is fun. And then as Fran mentioned, I'm also a writer. I'm currently working on my debut, which is a retelling of the Salem Witch Trials. So you can see stuff about that on my Instagram. Very cool. And all that sort of stuff. So the podcast, the Instagram, it's all going to be linked in the episode show notes. So, um, well, don't pause this, but like go down, click the button, keep listening and then go to the socials and follow. But keep listening because I need the listens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> You'll see a post on my Instagram about Fran's wonderful book, Home to the Wild. Yes. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Supporting fellow authors. Support all authors. Especially the indie ones, because we're usually broke. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, always. Always, always. It's part of the lifestyle. <laughs> or support us on Patreon. Or, um, wait, do you guys have a Patreon? Or do you have, is it like Kofi that you have? In theory, we do. I made the account. Have I edited any of the material to put on it? No. But we do in theory. <laughs> the minute we get anybody on Patreon, I will immediately start making it worth it. But I have yet to do that. So in theory, we have a Patreon. Okay, so if you want stuff from Monstrous Women Podcast, um, go and sign up and be a patron for the Monstrous Women Podcast, as well as signing up for a patron for mine, which is A Healthy Dose of Fran, if you want podcast and YouTube. And not even just this podcast, it's all the podcasts. And I'm soon to be doing five podcasts. So, I mean, that's a lot of content, people. 
Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's too much content. I feel like I've I've gone too far. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's no going back. <laughs> there's no going back. I've already made the commitments. We've got Scooby Doo. <laughs> we've got the Librarians. We've got Teen Spies. We've got Percy Jackson. We've got Storybrooke. I mean, what more could you want? Sleep, probably. But anyway. <laughs> Today, we are continuing the timeline journey with the Mark of Athena section entitled Ghosts and Team Drama. And yes, I did say team because it sounds like teen and I thought it was quite funny. Um, It is. It is. I like it a lot. Thank you. Someone who appreciates my puns. Which is from pages 141 to 174. So if you want to read it and listen to um, us having a go about it, um, you can do that with those page numbers. <laughs> uh, so we've got our points to focus on. So today we've got characters, relationships, and generally what we thought of it. Because these sections are too long, we're not going to do a synopsis anymore because I've given up on that for Heroes Olympus. So let's dive in with the character overviews. <laughs> Starting first with just one chapter from Piper, but it was it didn't connect to the previous section. That is literally the only reason why this first chapter is with this part, because the previous part, it did not work and it was too long. And I was like, I'm not reading any more pages for that section. I'm breaking it up. <laughs> oh, I love justifying, my, justifying myself. Anyway, um, <laughs> here is Piper's overview for her chapters. With the attention on her, Piper uses her charm speed to draw out the ghosts which reside within Leo, Percy and Jason. The ghosts want these bodies. They have been promised to live again, but Piper is having none of it. With tensions running high, she uses her power to force the ghosts to leave and never possess any of them again. Out on deck with a boozy Jason, he admits that he has an idea of what the Romans took but doesn't want to say, as it could lead to Athena kids going on the offensive. Piper can't even imagine what that could be, but Jason swears he will tell Annabeth when the time is right. Piper then admits that she's worried about the infighting, as she nearly let him kill Percy. But Jason promises that no one will get hurt, an oath to keep with a final breath it may seem. He also promises her that she has nothing to worry about with Raina, because that was important, but oh well. <laughs> and then is the overview for Piper's singular chapter. I like I know I rag on Piper, but I do love her. I do like her character. I just Ray just does not do a good job. Um both in terms of native representation, but also just writing from girls' perspectives. I mean it's I've heard he's gotten better with Daughter of the Deep. I know you've read Daughter of the Deep. Would you say mm-hmm. that that's a fair assessment that he's gotten better? Yes. Yeah. I think, and I think if you've read Trials of Apollo, you can see that that's like a logical jump. Um, but Heroes of Olympus to Daughter of the Deep feels like a different person writing, <laughs> because there's no like twenty minute discuss inner discussions every time a girl has to do literally anything about whether or not she's capable. Which seems to be like Piper's entire MO. And it's a little frustrating um, because we don't see. Because Jason is like, oh my God, I'm like too confident and capable. And that's his storyline. And then Piper's storyline is struggling to believe she's capable of anything. And that just is like a little old. Like we've gotten that for far too long about young women in, in literature. But yeah, I would say Daughter of the Deep. Uh, three of the like main characters are young women 
and I think they're all handled really well. Um, in the, the moments that they do have self-doubt, it's, like, reasonable because the stakes are really high. It's not, like, literally everything they've ever done, with, like, with Piper. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that is one thing that always kind of get. It's not like she gets on my nerves as a character. It's just that... The moments when she's not around Jason is, like, her best moments. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like... I, honestly, I feel that's even the same for Annabeth, though. There's a lot of elements with that with mm-hmm. the girl characters in this series where, basically, whenever they are near their love interest, that's all they focus on, to a degree. Like, And you don't need that. Because the guys don't do it. I think Percy does it occasionally, but it's not like a recurring theme for them that every time we're in their point of view they're always thinking about you know the insecurities of the relationship about the relationship about that person like they're not doing it all the time i mean calm calm but um i do like piper i just i wish she'd been given more of a chance by rick but you know that's just how it is (laughs) yeah i agree i think piper post Jason is a really different character and you can see how much when Rick is forced to not just make their relationship the crux of her character he goes out and figures out how to make her interesting on her own and and she becomes so much more likable and interesting and dynamic and even in her moments in Heroes of Olympus where it's more focused on like her and Annabeth's relationship and things like that it's she's so much more compelling as a character yeah no totally because I think that's definitely the thing like and it's the issue that I do have with Rick's writing for him. It's specifically in Heroes of Olympus. Like, I've got some problems with, like, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Mainly with how Percy occasionally thinks about girls. Mainly about Annabeth. But, like, that's, like, it doesn't happen that often. I can deal with it. But, yeah, he does like to centre the girl characters' POVs on their romances. Like, Piper's literal whole thing so far. And even just in this chapter. Like, this singular chapter. All she's focusing on is Jason's safety. Like, she has this whole moment where it's not just Jason who's being possessed. It's Leo, who is supposedly, like, one of her best friends. And admittedly, again, and I say this all the time, he is her best friend because Jason didn't fucking exist during their friendship. (laughs) So those two should be besties. Like, they shouldn't be considering Jason their centre. They should be centering each other because they're the only ones who actually had a proper friendship until fake Jason memories ruined it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so yeah, so she cares more about Jason than even she does about like Leo's safety. Um, And it's just, it's just all Jason. Um, Stop. (laughs) I'm also just kind of confused about Jason in this section as well. Because I think Jason's the, confused because he has an ongoing concussion. Literally, this boy... He just has this, a chronic yeah. concussion. Yeah, this is what I say. Like, I would be more interested in Jason as a character if literally his one thing wasn't passing out all the damn time. And I think even Rick started to realise it was a problem when he makes a joke he, like, about it. like, reined it in. Yeah, he reined yeah. it in, but then also made a joke about it in Magnus Chase for one of the chapter titles. Is yeah, I get knocked out more than Jason Grace, even though I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, he makes a joke about Jason getting knocked out all the time. That was really funny. Good job on that one, Rick. Turn on it, Yeah. 
yeah I think he definitely realized um maybe I should have dialed it back and I don't know given him a personality but um <laughs> he's like I'll kill him off and then I'll make a joke about it and that's how we'll solve this problem <laughs> oh my god literally but um the thing that happens in this section that confuses me to do with Jason it's, it's to do with his comments about how he never felt anything romantically towards Raina because straight up that is bollocks because he mentions in the lost hero that something could have happened with Raina if he hadn't have been taken away if he hadn't disappeared something was like oh what's the phrase burgeoning that's not the word is it yeah burgeoning okay thank god I was like is that a made up word (laughs) I just made up a word I mean all words are made up oh yeah that's true but it definitely didn't sound like a real one but (laughs) but like he mentions in the lost hero rain herself also then mentions like that, that there was a possibility before he went missing so him saying to piper you know nothing was ever going to happen between us anyway like i never felt for her that way i'm like bitch you liar <laughs> you liar <laughs> just like literally backtrack yeah. on everything you said in lost hero right now i know you didn't have proper memories of that period of time but you're still a liar <laughs> i mean come on now you remembered someone important who was close and may have been a girlfriend. Like that was one of his opening things as that like he didn't remember Raina like Percy does Annabeth, but he remembers feeling something about her, even if he doesn't remember her name. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah that was a really odd choice. I think even beyond the fact that the conversation is odd, like you were possessed fifteen minutes ago. And then your yeah. girlfriend had to perform an exorcism on you and two other people. <laughs> I don't know why you're bringing your ex up right now. Like, that makes no sense. Yeah. And even Just so not the biggest fish to fry. Yeah. Like, they're not really, like, why? It's just the whole thing is just weird. Like, they're not really talking about the possession. They're not really, they don't talk about anything. Like. That's, yeah. They they say nothing all the time and it's so boring to read about. (laughs) Yeah, like, we didn't need this. Like, the only thing that came, was interesting from this section was Piper's fear that if Gaia ever tried to manipulate them again to kill someone, she doesn't know if she'd be able to fight against it because uh-huh. she has more attachment to some people than others. And it yeah, was just like, that's an that interesting, interesting concern. Yeah. That's an interesting concern. Also, I think, um, like, some of Piper's inner dialogue about, like, the ethics of her powers and she is she more than anybody might choose who lives or dies and like how she has to reconcile with the fact that she wants certain people to die and not others if it comes to that and how heavy that is for a 15 year old that's interesting it's just so absurd when placed next to anything jason says um yeah yeah yeah. i also think if you (laughs) yeah i think if you also look at this through like a compet perspective it's kind it's like like funny in a sad way because it's like piper babe it's okay to let it go like you you don't have to try so hard to date this man i know it's torture i know that's why it's like you constantly reassuring yourself that you actually want this just like let it go yeah honestly i've got to say when you do look at this from a comp perspective in that like obviously she is with a girl now technically we don't know if she has been fully confirmed as bi or lesbian yet but i think a lot of people are head only her outfits are what make us know that she's a lesbian yeah 
Yeah. Not like <laughs> I, I would say I, I'm not fully opposed to her being bi or pan. Um, just because I feel like that also kind of represents a lot about Aphrodite. I feel like a lot of the kids within Af- the Aphrodite cabin, it would be interesting if a lot of them are part of the LGBT community. I've always had this conversation of, I would love a story, probably not written by Rick, about an ace Aphrodite kid. Like someone who's just like, they don't oh, yeah. understand. Like there's a daughter of the goddess of love and beauty, but they don't feel romantic attraction to people or like don't have any interest in a relationship with someone or maybe do later down the line, but not to the level that other people see it as and just the conflicts yeah. of that. That would be interesting. Alongside That'd be of a just, really like, good story about like other types of love and how like the Greeks had all these different ideas of love. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I would love, other than, like, beyond the current presentation of all Aphrodite kids, except for Piper, um, being dickheads, <laughs> <laughs> like, like obnoxious dickheads, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not realistic, really. I know Aphrodite no. as a character sometimes was a bit of a dick, but, like, all of her kids, no. This is definitely what I think, like, I feel the most upset about in terms of, like, the gods' representation is Aphrodite's representation. Because, one, I don't feel like her power ever came across the way I would have wanted it to. But also, like, she's the goddess of love. She should be lovely. Like, people shouldn't walk away being, like, like, feeling horrible about their conversation with her. And I think also, like, she's not the goddess of heartbreak. She's not the goddess of teen drama like why would this ritual even make sense where they like break the heart of the first person or whatever like that's not it's so nonsensical and it's such a like simplification of what Aphrodite is and stands for and she was like a prominent goddess in the Greek diaspora and was like worshipped mm-hmm. widely and had like all sorts of different rituals and oversaw all sorts of different things and it's like weird how she's being boiled down to like teen romance yeah and also like her i've talked about this in the youtube video as well same as i think it was aries and artemis i've done as well because they also got like the worst presentation in these books as well that made no sense to their actual characterization in mythology but like for aphrodite and it it doesn't it's talked about in this book at one point but not as well as it should have been if i'm honest love and war go together like like there's a, a lot of the reasons people and like you know, obviously war is not great, but it's almost a guarantee in human society. But most people who sign up to go and fight in war and most people who get involved in war and stuff like that aren't doing it because, yeah, we love war. We want to hurt people because unless they're psych- psychopaths, I mean, they're not going to be I mean, the United it. States military, but yeah, in yeah. history. In history. <laughs> like, there's definitely going to be a few people who are going to be like that. <laughs> But, like, more often than not, there is a motivation of love for people. Like, I want to protect my family. Like, I'm afraid that this is going to lead to us being hurt. I don't want my family to be hurt. I want to support the friends that I've got, I've made whilst being involved with this and stuff like that. Like, the sort of camaraderie is, even if people won't say it, because there's a lot of, unfortunately, the toxic masculinity side of things. But a lot of it is done through love. So having Aphrodite be this pitiful figure where her kids don't get involved in the battles or anything like that because they don't want to mess up their hair or some bollocks. Makes no sense. If anything, her kids, alongside Ares' kids, should be like the ones who are fighting to go first because they love 
people. They love their friends. They love their family. They want to protect them. They'd be the ones who'd be wanting to fight to go to the front line. They may not be the best fighters, but they'll have a lot of passion for it. And it just made no sense to me that their whole thing was they don't fight because they don't want to mess up their hair. No, yeah, that's that was just a huge misogyny. characterization. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just stupid. misogyny. And oh, yeah. I think too, if you look at Greek mythology, the central war, the biggest takeaway, the thing that you have to read in high school in America even today is the Trojan War. Mm. Aphrodite started the Trojan War. And she, you know, set up the events that led to it happening. The Trojan War was 100% motivated by love. And not even just with the conflict between Paris and Helen, um, but also with Achilles and Patroclus and also with Odysseus and Penelope. Like, Homer wrote that story about love and the things that you'll do Mm. for love. And even, um, like, in the, towards the end of the Trojan War, when um, Clemenstra gets revenge for her husband having murdered their daughter to be successful in the war um, and get to sail to Troy, like her love for her daughter motivated killing even after the war had ended. And like, you see that the war still continues and like the repercussions of it and things like it's so, yeah, it's so absurd that to think that Aphrodite and her kids wouldn't be in the center of every and any conflict because they are always going to be connected to love. Totally. And like, we going back to the Piper, like we have to, she has Helen of Troy's looking glass knife. We could yeah. have huge references. Like, oh we could be God, for her to be a Helen-like of... figure would have been so good. Yes, yes, literally, like, she does everything for love, which obviously in the case of, like, the Seven doesn't fully work because they don't know each other as much as the text yeah. is trying to convince us they do. But also, be... we could have just gotten to know each other. Like, we could have... Yeah, they could have, like, they have a dining room that they can sit in to talk. <laughs> And they've done Play some it. board games. Yeah, literally. Past the time. So far. They've <laughs> had one meeting and technically a second, but the second ended with possession. I mean, technically <laughs> they've only had one proper meeting with each other. Yeah. That didn't go well, and they're still considering themselves to like be friends. And like, stop talking shit and show me. Have them bond. <laughs> That's how you know none of them had friends before if, like, this is their standard. And they're all like, oh, yeah, we're, like, really good friends. Like, you must have never had a relationship before this experience. Yeah. And unfortunately, (laughs) that's the additional problem before this is that none of them, beyond Percy and Annabeth, none of them were properly friends beforehand. Like, the Percy, Frank, and Hazel was the closest to it because they did develop a bit of a bond. And it was more natural and made more sense. But that's basically forgotten. (laughs) there's not really like other than um in the next section that percy and frank are going to be going on a mini quest to that atlanta place um like that's the that's been a while since they've this is the first time they've communicated in this book (laughs) yeah i know i miss i miss like mr percy camp counselor percy yeah yeah but um I realise we, we've not really talked much about the section. Remedy, there's not that much to talk about with this chapter beyond um, Piper centres everything around Jason. She's worried that she's going to lead to other people dying because she wants to save Jason. And that's... that. that she was needs kind to of, break up with of, Jason. That's she needs to break away. up with Jason. She literally, anytime he's not around, 
I quite enjoy her character. There are still moments because, like, obviously, Rick has to remind us that she has a boyfriend and that she's straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most of the time, you're wrong, he's Rick. Not there. Yeah, you're wrong, Rick. I think he's learned now. But, like, at the time, he has. <laughs> he has learned now. He has learned the lesson of uh, Piper. I'm sorry, that is not a heterosexual. Um... <laughs> Embarrassing that you ever thought. Yeah. <laughs> she has. <laughs> had more chemistry with Annabeth than she has with Jason in this one section where Annabeth steals a bagel from her. I Girlfriends. Mean, Girlfriends. Girlfriends. With Percy being the supportive third. Because they're not going to. Like, Annabeth is the centre. Percy is the other half. Piper is the other half. I they're... think that would work so well. Because I also think that Piper and Percy could have, like, a good friendship. I yeah okay this is like not me advertising well whatever it kind of is but like yeah I think polyamory needs to be the solution more often in literature and this is a perfect example of that yes also for an example of someone who like if you want a good polyamory story Iron Widow by Zyron J. Zhao perfect quite literally the way they advertised their book is if you like love triangles, but don't want a love triangle, don't worry, it's polyamory. I mean, that's the best way to advertise a book. Solve love triangles with polyamory. Exactly. Because also, that's the only correct way to have a love triangle. Because if it's only like two guys to one girl, that's not a triangle, that's a fucking line. No. <laughs> that's Unless it's a like line. Twilight. Unless yeah. it's like Twilight, and it's like Edward and Jacob actually just want each other, and they're like, protect pretending with bella and it's just like yeah something like erotic triangulation yeah but polyamory is actually the real triangle for a love triangle like Mm -hmm. that's the actual love triangle (laughs) anyway uh let's go (laughs) to percy's section because percy is the main part for this this section so uh megan take it away with percy's overview okay So the nightmares have begun once more for Percy because this boy gets no peace, with part of it being him drowning, a new fear he has developed, and then he falls into the next part, and it's a dream dream in Rome with two twin giants. They are preparing a trap for the seven, a giant spectacle that will kill them all for Gaia. The bait is Nico, who is trapped in a coma in a sealed jar, because Nico gets no peace either. They have five days to save him or he won't make it. Um, and so Annabeth wakes Percy for a late night talk and to spend time alone with him. And then Fran has put in parentheses, not like that, you perverts. I think that's a little bit debatable, Fran, but whatever. Percy tells her his dreams of their future and his nightmares while she wishes for the future too and tells him of what she saw, of, of when she saw her mom and how it wasn't good. And how her mom was like really, really quite mean to her. The two then yeah. fall asleep and are found by a scandalized Frank. And I believe the line is something like, Percy had seen Frank surrounded by ogres before and he never looked more afraid. <laughs> so Frank is not sex positive, and that's the takeaway. Um, so then there's a meeting with the seven. They tell um, the situation of Nico and how they know it's a trap and they can't leave him to die. But then Leo and Jason don't want to save Nico. And that is the most important part of this section is that Leo and Jason are homophobic. So then with tension (laughs) in the air due to Leo and Jason being horrible and having a cold attitude and questioning whether they should save this child, they arrive in Atlanta where Percy, Frank, and Hedge are um, supposed to head out and find salt water. 
and then Annabeth gets grounded as if she's not a fucking child soldier. <laughs> I did always find that really funny. Just like, yep, yeah, honey, you are grounded. You cannot leave this ship. And I was like, really? Yeah, well, and so that's not helping your image. It's not helping your image to be like, you're grounded. And then somebody else can just be like, you're going to let her like fight in a war, though, and almost die. So, like, is she a child or is she not? You need a pickling. Yeah. Also, the irony of the fact that they're technically not grounded because they're on a boat. And, like, yeah. she's not on ground. She's not on land. She's on a boat. So where she's is she just grounded floating. exactly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind so of loophole just... Annabeth could exploit, too. Yes. And she should, like if I'm open. honest. As she should. She should. As she should. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the comment of, like, um, not like that, you perverts, and you, you went, well, that's debatable. I'm like, it technically is, but I do like that Rick tried went so far out of his way to be like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was absolutely yeah. perfect. I think it's so funny when Rick does that about certain things, because also early in the original series, he's like, just to be clear, this doesn't mean Christianity isn't real, because he didn't want all the Christians to get angry at him. And I think that's, again, he's like, I'm not telling your kids to have sex. <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely does that a lot. And you know what? Yeah. So <laughs> I, fair. I can't follow him. <laughs> so fair, because you don't know why people are going to turn around and try to like burn your book or some dumb shit. So yeah, protect yourself, Rick go for it yeah and i do love that like it was after heroes olympus he did stop giving a shit because he's like you know what we're gonna have a trans character we're gonna have a muslim character we're gonna have a pansexual character we're gonna have a bi character we're gonna have boyfriends they're gonna have and it just went on it's like you know if you if you don't like it don't fucking read them yeah oh my god his twitter got so good yeah because he, I love the tweet where he's like, um, sometimes I get asked about like why I put a gender fluid character in my books or something. And he was like, you clearly know nothing about Norse mythology, you dumbass. And I was like, yeah, Rick, as you well should, said. they are dumbasses. Well said, well said. <laughs> I just, oh, we love growth, even if sometimes he's not doing as well. But he, he learns. He's just done some not great response to needing to learn. But, you know. No, everyone's, no one's perfect. It's a process, 100%. You know, he's trying. That's like, I mean, they, like, it's the bad yeah. moment, but at least he's trying. I think no, that's but it the, feels that's like a lot when you have authors like J.K. Rowling who are like yeah. actively hateful, and like Rick would never do something like that. Yeah, he's definitely been not, not the smartest, but like beyond that, like he, he tries. I think that's the whole thing. As long as he's trying, and, you know, reflecting on some of the stupid stuff that he has done, like those blogs defending some of his presentations. And it's kind of like, should you, should you, should, shouldn't you have just Should you double down? <laughs> should you have doubled down? Probably not. <laughs> but um, at least he's taking those down. So hopefully that means he's learning yeah. further. And admittedly, also that um, blog that he put out to do with Leah Rosanna Annabeth, where, like, he laid out, all this information like you can tell he's learned a lot since those posts from like two three years ago or whatever it was you can yeah, tell he's growing has. yeah so that's it's, always that's good anyway sorry responses. completely yes better responses completely off topic on my part but i just thought to mention <laughs> um but the feedback for percy's chapters and this is going to be a reminder to everyone who's listening why you will probably hate me because 
as much as I love this Persebeth moment, it was really cute, it was really sweet. I love Persebeth as much as the next person, but we haven't even left the fucking country. <laughs> we, like, we've not even left America and we're meant to be getting to Rome in five days via a boat going across an ocean that is very difficult to travel across as a demigod. And where the, where the fuck is Atlanta? Where is that like central? Or is that like closer to Florida? I don't no, know where. It's just above Florida, very south, deep south. Uh, okay, so it's at least it's closer to the Atlantic Ocean then. Yep. Yeah, so Atlantic, yeah, very close to the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, so that's not too bad. I could, oh, I was just going to say, it's like, oh, Atlanta, actually, Atlantic, Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know if that was the case, but yeah. I just immediately thought of that. I, like, I think oh, it I is, have, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Atlanta's like an eight-hour drive from where I live, which sounds like a long time to someone who lives in the UK, but to someone in America, that's just real short. It's real close <laughs> Yeah. Every time, we, every time I talk to the people on the uh, Percy Jackson podcast Discord and they say how long they've been travelling somewhere and they're, like, in the same state and I'm like, what? <laughs> I could drive, like, 12 hours and still be in Florida. It's wild. Uh, yeah. And there's me. Like, if I drive 12 hours in either direction, I will be in different countries. <laughs> I'll be in Scotland in one, Wales or Ireland in another, France, Germany or Spain in a different, or Norway that or Iceland. So wild. That is so yeah. wild. It is crazy. <laughs> but that's why America scares me. It's so fucking big. But um also crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for America to scare yeah. you. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lots of reasons, but <laughs> the sheer size, size is one of them. The size is one of them. I, I think it's probably further up my list than it should be. <laughs> really? why I'm scared of it's like quite You're high like, up. Anybody- own a gun it's really big it's terrifying <laughs> yeah like gun is definitely top i think size is probably like second or third just because just, you know what so though there are and also the uk and the us i won't say the whole uk but like england and the us share a lot of the like scary stuff yeah like we have a lot in common with those issues yeah. so it's like sizes size and guns are like the differences like everything else, yeah. we have we both have the problem. Yeah, it does true. Because like it was me, it's just like I don't even like going to London because London's too big for me. There's too many people in London, and like, and for yeah, and I was just like New York. I know. I was just about to say I don't know how I'm gonna cope in New York. <laughs> I, no, no, we're gonna stay in like the less busy parts. I'm not gonna take you to like Central Manhattan then. Oh god, I think I'd cry. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. I like it, but again, we we haven't left the country. <laughs> we could have had this moment be about Jason and Percy instead because they've just tried to kill each other. They've not really addressed it beyond basically saying who can piss the farthest by being like, well, I tried to kill that you, so well, I could have killed you. It's so petty. And I'm like, fucking have a conversation. <laughs> no, and um, I think it's unrealistic also because i don't think that's how percy would handle that situation percy to me gives the energy of somebody who would be like delighted by that kind of conflict because it doesn't actually get to him so he can just like make everybody's life horrible over it like i think percy would be like messing with jason and like completely fucking with him but like it wouldn't actually be like integral to percy because he's more secure than that and, like, yeah. that would have been funny. That would have been funny for Percy to, like, bring it up and, like, just to make fun of him. 
and like be very sarcastic and stuff because Jason's not particularly quick on his feet. But instead, we just get like an actual pissing contest, and it's like, okay, please, I, the room is spinning from the toxic masculinity. I can't, I can't do this. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, it makes no sense whatsoever to me because, firstly. Percy's entire fucking character arc in the original series is firstly to learn that he doesn't always need to be in charge, to learn mm-hmm. that it all isn't always about him, and mm-hmm. all these different things. Like, he should have learned this by now. And yet still, we have him vying to be a leader. We have him vying to be, you know, the strongest. And I'm like, honey, why have you learned nothing? <laughs> like, yeah. I know you're a teenage boy, but learn something. So it's why I'm like, I don't, I love the Percy Beth moment. It's cute, it's sweet, it's funny and hilarious with the whole situation. But it should have been a moment where Jason and Percy actually have a proper conversation. Because they've not had a conversation. They've had the pissing match. That's all they've had at this point. This would have been a perfect moment to, to bring them together to talk out and clear the air about this stupid tension. Or maybe even have, because um, around this point we've just had the whole argument. Uh, well, just kind of just not have that scene. Just have the nightmare, have them call them all into the room. And then use that space up for that happened with the person Beth scene. With, um, oh, I know it's not from her perspective. But <laughs> Piper, I wanted to see Piper talking to Hazel. Because there was that whole thing she just, she tells Frank after that whole argument and the whole Jason and Leo being dickheads and Hazel running off because she's upset because that's her brother. And Piper saying, I'll go talk to her in a bit. But we never find out if that happened. Yeah, Yeah, and I think leaning into Piper being the emotionally intelligent member because she's the daughter of Aphrodite would have been a great direction for her character um, and a great addition to make. And I think Rick does that in like these really small moments, like but also sometimes they're quite funny, like when Annabeth's like, oh, Piper always knows what to say about boys. Um, which is, like, so fucking ironic now, like, knowing everything yeah. that we know. But, um, yeah, but I think, like, having her genuinely, like, understand and be able to go talk to Hazel and, like, be able to, like, share, like, different types of love and, like, talk to her about emotional responses and how people matter. Because Piper, I think, more than anybody is aware of how people matter um, yeah. would be really lovely. I also feel very strongly that, like, knowing Percy after the first five books, after the first series, and even through um, Son of Neptune, Percy knows Annabeth's the leader. Like, why are we pretending that he doesn't in this series? Why is it at all like Percy is vying to be the leader of the Seven? Yeah. When has he ever? When has he ever made the plans? When has he ever made the decisions? Like, it's so strange. I will say... And this is because I brought up the same argument for this situation. For the the battle for Manhattan, he was the one leading that predominantly. So he is the one guiding people to which places to go. And it's because he mainly, he knows yeah, New I guess York that's more. Fair. But yeah. like, that's the only, and I remember thinking, why isn't Annabeth doing this? Like, <laughs> you got a yeah, little she is the strategist. Here. Yeah. I would get it because he's got the New York knowledge, but combined combine yeah. the knowledge and as if together. annabeth doesn't study maps of manhattan and oh, like yeah. wouldn't have known all of that as well but yeah i think that like if annabeth and jason had a conflict about who was the leader that would have been actually interesting but yes. instead it's percy and jason and it's just like um a, a like masculinity thing yeah because like it yeah it didn't make sense for either of them to be leader it makes more sense for annabeth to be leader 
because also she's a strategist she's the strategist but it would have been she's also the smartest there yes smartest there strategist i mean she's literally just incredible um it would have been interesting if her and jason had had a little thing for the leader's seat or as i also pointed out i don't know why they fought for the leading seat because they're at a rectangular table there are two top seats that are opposite each other that Mm -hmm. But I talked about yeah. it in a previous episode. <laughs> just the whole thing was yeah. stupid. But like, uh, just, yeah. They could have just had also, development moments. Yeah. And even past the point that I don't like and I don't think it should have been the dynamic with Percy and Jason, it's also like silly to pretend like Jason had a chance. Because Percy would have taken him out. A brick did canonically take him out. So I don't know why we think Percy couldn't. Yeah. I don't know why we think no- Jason's going to win. Literally, and this is the thing that makes no sense to me because Jason technically should be able to beat Percy in a fight because he's been training with the Romans since he was a child, year round. Like canonically, he's just he should be a better. He should be far more competent than he currently is. But because all we've seen is him consistently being knocked out, barely any actual fighting skill. We don't mm-hmm. believe it because like there's nothing to show that. Whereas. When we think about, you know, his history, technically, like, Percy was a summer camp demigod (laughs) who occasionally fought in the winter. At most, over five years, he's probably maybe had a year and a half's worth of training. Whereas Jason... But he's always been a prodigy. That's true. That's true. And we also, we don't know that about Jason either, which is the whole thing. But he's been with Looper since a child, so he should be a lot more savage than he currently is because he was raised by the wolves. He should be a lot more aggressive with how he does things. Rick! <laughs> the potential! Anyway, um, <laughs> I just wanted to, I just want more development moments between the seven. Because they keep saying they're yeah. friends. And I'm like, but where? Oh, I know, you could have shown it here. <laughs> like, I love the yeah. relationship stuff, but you don't need it. We know they're a couple. You've shown them as being a couple. We're going to have a whole fucking book about it next time. I mean, you don't need it right now. <laughs> I, it's cute and funny. But develop. Development. Development is important. Move the plot. <laughs> Move the plot along. What did you think of Percy's chapters? <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, I, I really liked the reminder about who Percy is as a character. Um, because I felt like when you get into the conversation about Nico and whether Nico is somebody who's worth saving based on whether he's trustworthy or not, you have Jason and Leo acting like the most important thing is to make sure that he's like trustworthy um, and not that like his human life is just important. And you don't see that in Percy. And, and even Percy's inner dialogue mentions that like him and Nico have a complicated relationship. And they do have a complicated relationship. But it's not something that ever motivates Percy in a way where he's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. Or like, maybe we have to like let Nico be on his own for that one. And it really made me think of like in The Lightning Thief when um, Percy only participates in that quest because of his mom. And then by the second book, he's as attached to Annabeth and Grover as he is to his mom. So then from there on out, that they're who's motivating him to like continue in being a demigod. It's never about like the gods. It's never about any of that for Percy. 
And I think the fact that, like, it might cost the quest and, like, it might really fuck up all their plans to, like, go into this trap and save Nico. But, like, I think Percy in a lot of ways feels responsible for Nico. He understands his trauma and things like that. And I don't know. I thought it was just a good reminder that Percy is kind of the heart of of the group. And that even though he's, like, very strong and very funny and all of those things, like, he's a really sweet boy. And he's, like, a he really is a different kind of male protagonist than we got around this time. Um, but also, Jason and Leo are homophobic, and it's so annoying, and it really justifies why I hate them. Yes to all of that. Um, the Percy bit, I definitely completely agree with, which is why I never understood, like, obviously we have the previous section with Pike when they're in Kansas, and she's talking about how Percy is, like, this wild card who is just dangerous and, like, all these sort of things, like, he's a, yeah. a troublesome kid. Who is she kid. talking just, like, about? Literally, I know he's like a dick to gods, but firstly, they deserve it. And like, yeah, that is Sally Jackson's baby boy. He is going yes. to be an angel. Yeah, and you know like, he's he... not homophobic because Sally raised him not to be, and that's the difference. Yes, yes, and like, I just the whole thing just makes no sense with that assessment. It's like Rick completely forgot his own character in that moment, and. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing of like how Annabeth grounds him. Firstly, no, Annabeth is just as fucking chaotic. Like, and Annabeth is remember? gonna do shit that Percy wouldn't. Annabeth's gonna like Annabeth's morals are a little looser than Percy's. Percy's grounding her. Let's be crystal clear L- about that. Literally, and yeah, it just like the irony of the fact of like that whole thing of like how Percy's a troublemaker and a wild card, and you've got like Jason and Leo right here choosing to not care about a human life. Because of like a little boy, Nico is a little boy. Yeah, he's well, he's like a year older than Hazel, but he's younger than all of them. (laughs) Yeah, and like, and it's Hazel's brother also. Like, do you not give a fuck about her family? You know what she's been through, or at least some idea of it. Yeah, it's just the whole thing. It's just, it's just so weird, and especially for Jason. So I, I think I put this in the section when we go to the character section. I'm just going to mention it briefly here. It makes no sense for Jason's character either, because his whole thing is that he believes in people. Like that was a unless big they're gay, of... apparently. <laughs> unless they're gay, apparently, yeah. It just made no sense because he doesn't like in Lost Hero. He doesn't know who Leah and Piper are. He thinks they're complete strangers to him. Does he still help them? Yes. Does he still help Piper, even though she'd been lying to them the whole time, and it was her dad who was in danger, and she was leading them astray? So she could save her dad and probably get them killed because she needs to save her dad. Does he still believe in her and trust her? Yes. I mean, yeah. It yeah, just that's makes such no a sense. good point. Because Nico's thing is so similar. Like, why wouldn't you assume that there was a reason that this? I, I mean, is Nico fifteen? Am I right about that? That this? Like, uh, uh, he's like, hmm. is he fourteen or changes on the... He's meant to be fourteen, but they make okay. him fifteen. <laughs> Okay, so 14-slash-15-year-old Nico, like, yeah, he did clearly keep a secret, for sure. The main person that that affected was Percy, and Percy doesn't seem to mind, and, like, is understanding that life is complicated. Why can't Jason have that energy when he just did that two books ago with Piper, of being like, oh, well, obviously there was more to the story, and I can trust that you're a good person and had to make a difficult decision. Is it only because he was attracted to her? Honestly, that's probably going to be the case. But, like... The additional fact of Jason is currently keeping information from Annabeth in relation to... On his to, own team. 
from his own team. But so, so this is the thing specifically. So he's keeping it from her because he knows there is constant battles between the Romans and Greeks. Wow. I wonder why a Greek demigod who is going between the two camps, seemingly gaining information and keeping an eye on them, wouldn't be able to tell them why he is seeing two different camps and why two different camps exist. Oh, I wonder yeah. if it's because the gods fucking made that decision. So you can't know about the other camp. I mean, he works closely with his dad, a god. I mean, you got to think he's like, obviously, it's not going to be an actual NDA, but he's basically going to have to have been able to sign an NDA to be able to go between the two camps. Because no one was able, no one was allowed to know that a camp yeah. of a different mythological, not mythological, Hellenistic system existed. The Greeks were not allowed to know about the Romans. The Romans were not allowed to know about the Greeks. Nico was probably doing something for the gods and couldn't tell them. I mean, Use your brain, Jason. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, it just, I know you're concussed, but come on. Literally. Leo is just a dick, so like it makes sense that he'd be a dick. I but Jason, hate Leo. I hate Leo so much. Um, I despise him as a character. Truly. Like, Truly. oh god. But, so it makes sense for Leo to be an idiot about it. But Jason, yeah, for Jason, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, what we know of his character... What no, it really makes you question his, like, prior motivations and why he treated other people so differently than he treated Nico. Yeah. Because he does just... know Nico. Yeah, Nico which is why it a... makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's a stranger and that's why he doesn't care. He knows Nico well. As yeah. well as anybody can know Nico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing is just so weird. And, like, even reading it now, I'm just kind of like, I really don't understand the reason behind them doing it. It just, it felt like they were causing conflict for conflict's sake. And I'm like, I know the whole point is that the Romans and Greeks aren't meant to be getting on. But, like, currently he's causing problems with the other Romans, (laughs) not even the other Greeks. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a Greek-Roman divide. It wasn't like, oh, we know Nico as a little kid and so we want to protect him. Like, it was literally just everybody versus Jason and Leo because everybody else has emotions and a heart and is capable yeah. of uh, Yeah, and the whole thing was just weird. But it's like, this is the problem that I have with Heroes of Olympus is that they bring up internal conflict within the Seven and then never deal with it. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, we have this problem where Hazel was mad at them basically condemning her brother to death as far as i can remember and admittedly i've not read further ahead and i can't remember this book very well i don't think they they ever deal with that like it just kind of happens and same with the whole cancer situation they try to kill each other they make a reference to how they could have killed each other and then never talk about it again (laughs) like that's in the past yeah, I'm just like, if you dealt with these things, I would believe this relationship building because you were dealing with the problems. But you just, oh my god, it's literally, have you ever heard this therapy method of like, when you um, have like a, you're struggling with something, so you put it in a box, fly it away for a period of time to look back on it later so you can deal with it when you're ready. It's like mm-hmm. they're doing that, but then they just forget where they put the box. And they never touch that box. It. They never touch that box. That box is accidentally put into yeah. the recycle bin. 
I mean. (laughs) Which, it's funny because sometimes that's like a character choice. Is like you have a character that represses things and doesn't deal with things. And we have that in the series. That's how Nico deals with his problems. He doesn't deal with them. But it's like, it's part of his character. And you see the consequences of of that life. I don't want to say lifestyle. But like that um, emotional response. And like, it's not at all Nico's fault. He's a traumatized little baby boy. But he, um, he doesn't ever deal with things. And, but it's like mm. that's canonically how he handles issues and there's consequences and you see the emotional fallout of him trying to do that whereas with the rest of them it's literally like no no we don't address it and it like doesn't exist yeah it's just it's just it's yeah it's weird <laughs> oh dear. and in this case well actually no you can blame this book for um he was writing another one at the same time because he was still he was doing the uh, third king chronicles books book released four months before this one so like clearly not actual full mindset between everything that was happening but i mean you've got to have something (laughs) you've got to focus i know i work on a lot of different things but i don't work on them at the same time (laughs) like i make sure there's a lot of separation between these things but anyway um let's head into characters because i'm intrigued to hear your thoughts about annabeth because, like, we've not really had much of a conversation about Annabeth in this section. But yeah. there's quite a lot of stuff that does happen with Annabeth, so I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. Um, I mean, I really, really love Annabeth as a character. Um, She's one of my favorites. And so I, I do... I am always a little bit frustrated when I'm reading Heroes of Olympus because I feel like she's not given the same respect that she's given in the original series. Um, Like... And I, I wonder I wonder how much of that is that now her and Percy are dating and so she's kind of viewed differently by Rick as he's writing it. He's like she's like the girlfriend now. Um but I've always felt like he does I think Rick does and has struggled with writing female characters, but I didn't feel he did with Annabeth. I always felt like he wrote Annabeth really well, really realistically, really respectfully. And then it comes to Heroes of Olympus and I just feel like one, she should have been the leader, and I feel like she was in the PJO books. And then that that sort of fell through. And then also, like, her, her, like, focus on getting out of being a demigod and being, like, an adult in her life with Percy being so prominent in these books doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, Annabeth is so invested in the camp, and Camp Haplet's her whole home, that I think it's a little bit strange that, like, while she's actively on a quest, she doesn't want to be there almost and I thought that was a bit strange because she does technically get one quest in the PJO books but Percy ends up taking the lead on quite a lot of that and that ends up being part of the conflict Mark of Athena this book should have really been her like hero moment um and I I don't feel like she gets that until the very end like literally that last battle after she leaves Percy in the pizza place um in Rome and it's a little frustrating because yeah. I would have loved for her to be like from day one, like, okay, my mom came to me with this mission. We have a lot of shit to figure out. Everybody like sit down, shut the fuck up because I'm the smartest and like, this is how it needs to go. Um, and I would have, I, I would have liked that version a lot. No, I completely agree with you because like so far we have not had much from Annabeth. Like mm-hmm. she starts off the book but, like, we've not really gotten anything much from her at all. So the thing that I always found really weird was, you know, the whole, the the ghost situation that we have in Piper's chapters and even, really, the um, the deciding whether or not they're going to let 
say Nico. Annabeth does not talk at all, really, in those scenes. Like, I think she has one moment with the Nico situation, but she doesn't talk at all during the ghost situation. It's Piper, Hazel, and Frank, and it's Frank just freaking out, basically, and then Piper <laughs> and Hazel having those moments yeah, working together. But, like, Annabeth is just gone. Like, I do not know, like, she's, I can't yeah. picture her in the scene. I can't picture where she's standing. Like, I can't see where she is. She just, like, disappears for a period of time during that section. And it's quite similar with the Nico scene as well. Like, even though this is meant to be, in a sense, her book, she's not been in it that much. Like, we are, yeah. what, we're, how many, we're on page 174 at this point. And then we're going into the Atlanta scene next, which is like another 40 pages. I think it then goes to 200 pages. And so far, Annabeth has been centred twice. And that is at the start of the book, the Raina stuff, so like when it is her POV, and then when we have her and Percy's stable scene. Like those are the two moments where she gets centering as a character in her own book. We've not even yeah. really had a discussion of what her quest is. We like <laughs> nothing about it so far. We've got an other side quests for other characters and nothing to do with who is meant to be the main central focus for this quest. Yeah. That's and weird. I think that Reina scene set her up so well. Like, her conversation with Reina was so good of being like, we are in such similar situations. Like, I want a future for both our camps. And, like, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The book series, Alternative Universe, where it's Annabeth and Reina who are in the Percy-Jason dynamic and roles, would have been like perfection but you do still get a little bit of that undercurrent because Raina still plays a very central part her and Annabeth are still like the competent leaders of their camps even if the boys are trying to pretend otherwise um and I would have yeah I would have loved for like that same energy to have stayed throughout the book and not just been literally at the very beginning with her conversation with Raina and then at the very end with her fight with Arachne like I would have loved Annabeth to be taking a leadership role being a prominent member developing relationships like throughout the whole story yeah I mean, she's got two girls on a quest. Like, she's not had girl f girls who are friends. Ever. <laughs> like... Yeah. Like, Tanya doesn't count because that's more like pseudo-found family situation. And then mm -hmm. she doesn't see her at all because she's now with the Hunters. Rachel only has only really counted for, like, the last... For maybe, like, five months. Because, <laughs> like, she's also yeah. at boarding school and also they hate each other for a long period of time. <laughs> I mean... Like, so she doesn't have any girls who are friends, but she now has two girls on a quest with her. And her and Hazel don't talk at all in this series. And there is just such a missed opportunity of having them. And I know they have that moment later on when they have that Charleston scene, which is weird to say the least from what I remember. I don't and remember. What, what is that? It's when they meet Aphrodite in Charleston and like oh, whole... oh that scene is terrible. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When um and they make some like weird comment about architecture and like the Civil War or something in Aphrodite. Yeah. They like make it seem like Aphrodite is like pro Confederacy. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, that was terrible. Oh my god. Yeah, I have a whole that section. 
Yeah, and they basically, it's like Rick was trying to write a scene of like, oh, let's have all of the girl characters together and give them a moment. And I'm like, well, you didn't fucking do that, did you, Rick? You no, you made them. them attend a tea party. Please tell me how any of them would enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, have them go on a quest. Have the three of them, have Annabeth, Piper and Hazel go on a quest yes. together. Because I be love cool. when Annabeth and Piper do go on a quest, but like Hazel having been there or like them getting to do that, I don't know, multiple times would have yeah. been really cool. Because you know what I would have really loved actually, now that I'm saying it, get rid of Jason and Percy in the Kansas scene. Have that be Piper, Hazel and Annabeth. And have it be Annabeth and Hazel who turn on each other. Yeah, that would have been really Piper, interesting. And it's Piper, like, that would have been like... Because they would have had a conversation about it afterwards. They would have had a conversation about it afterwards. And like they wouldn't have had the toxic pissing match situation afterwards because it would have been horrific. It would have been horrible. They would not have known what to do. It would have like Pipe would be like horrified of like she nearly didn't stop Annabeth because she knows Annabeth more. Annabeth would be horrified that she nearly hurt a child. Hazel yeah. would be so confused because she'd be worried that she maybe cursed someone by accident because like she'd done her thing of pulling um the stones out like that would have been a brilliant situation yeah I think in general men talking less is always like a strong decision to make and that's really I think what we're trying to say here is like let's just have them shut up a little bit more yeah does anybody want to hear Jason talk no, no. <laughs> Does we anyone don't. want to hear? Does anyone actually want Leo's point of view? No, no. Why does he have Do a POV we... in this section? That makes no sense to me. What they should have had is have Annabeth, Piper, Hazel. Yes, yeah, yeah. Get rid of the three, the love triangle situation with the Hazel, Leo, and Frank because it's stupid. It's and so give weird. Hazel. It's so weird. But also, if they, even if they did keep it, having it be from Hazel's point of view would make so much more sense. I know. It's, it's just another pissing contest between Leo and Frank. That's all it is. It's yeah. not even a love triangle. And it's not even a pissing match because it's, it's Leo pissing off Frank deliberately and making him upset because he can. Yeah, like, which is really toxic. Yeah. yeah, I did see someone on, like, I don't know, Tumblr or something that was like, oh, well, like, of course Leo was confused. Hazel was nice to him. And it's like, do you think women are only nice to people because they want to date them? That's a you thing. That's a you problem. Hazel <laughs> is it. just a sweet little 14-year-old girl who's nice. Yeah, That does not mean you have a chance with her. No, and it doesn't mean that you should be weird about it. I'm stop. Yeah, that doesn't mean you should then terrorize her boyfriend. Yeah, who is like Frank has his own issues, and I blame Rick for that because like he had the potential <laughs> to not have those problems. But like oh, Frank, he is he's a very emotional boy. He has a lot of emotional <laughs> responses to things, and like yes, he can I be think a bit he was, overprotective. Like, raised by women, yes. And he also lost One people very... young. Yes. He's lost, but he has no family left. His grandma's yeah. dead. His mum is dead. His dad is a god, so no one, he's not going to fucking <laughs> He doesn't feel connected to Rome either. Like, that's not his, like, family. I think later he does when he becomes Praetor. But, like, at this point, he was such an outcast in that environment that it's not, like, Hazel's yeah. all he has at this point. Yeah. And Percy. And Percy's just kind of... 
He's Press is fucking ignoring him. <laughs> yeah, until this Atlanta thing that's coming up. Like, he's just kind of like, who are Frank and Hazel? I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> I Percy know does have that problem, though. I think it's Percy's ADHD. If you're not in front of him, he does not remember to, like, care for you a little bit. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he, he does that at the end of the first series, then he does that throughout here a little bit. And, like, he's a, what? God, I keep forgetting their ages. He's a 17-year-old. I feel like it's a little bit fair. He shouldn't be like emotionally responsible for other people. But I think like Percy's ADHD is so severe that you have to be standing in his direct line of sight for him to like remember. <laughs> yeah, that is that is fair enough. And immediately, <laughs> your logic there works because he sees Frank being distressed. Yeah, um, and he's like, oh my god, Frank, I love Frank. <laughs> yeah, Frank, let's go on a quest. <laughs> Frank, where you been, buddy? And he's like, we're on the same boat, Percy. Yeah. I've got to say, the thing that gets me about the whole Leo stuff is you've already seen, like, they've been on this boat, what, three days at this point? Yeah, like three, maybe four days at max. And Leo has gotten under Frank's skin so much that the moment that Percy asks Frank to go on a quest, he says, oh, do I have to change into a dragon again? You know how exhausting it is. Like, he's already tired and fed up and it's not even been three days yeah yeah honestly it's like really sad i don't even feel a lot of things towards frank i think he's a fairly like bland character i don't have like strong emotions the way i do about like nico or annabeth or percy but even like leo makes me feel bad for frank and like root for frank when otherwise i wouldn't have cared because he's so awful to him and like honestly my actual problem with leo like truly why i hate him is because he's misogynistic Oh, yeah. he's, he's so misogynistic, and that in and of itself is racist. To have the only Latino boy be misogynistic and speak the way that he speaks and act the way that he acts is falling into these like really harmful stereotypes about young Latino men over-sexualizing men of color when they're, you know, still babies. Leo is a baby. He shouldn't be behaving this way. And I think we don't see any sort of resolution about that or any of, like, addressing that until way at the end of Trials of Apollo when he has his own relationship with Reyna and Reyna becomes a big sister figure and is like, stop talking to women that way, you asshole. And then he finally is, like, learning and understanding. And I don't, I wouldn't so much mind if that was like his arc the whole time but we don't get any consequences for his misogyny for the whole five books it's not like positioned as a bad thing within the text and that's why i don't yeah. like leo yeah it's it, yeah and admittedly there are a lot of those problems like that like the fact that frank is presented as emasculated and then mm-hmm. overly mm-hmm. masculine mm-hmm. as well like his growth is to become masculine which that's not growth. <laughs> Let's forget that's not your growth. character's growth. And it's also quite strange to do with a um Asian character, considering like how Asian men have been treated in media and like historically, yeah. with like the deep emasculation of them. Um, yeah. Because like he yeah. can he can be masculine, but then it's like they did a whole 180. They got rid of his chub. Yeah. They gave him super muscle. Oh, so yeah, thankfully they did remove that and it was meant to be like a brief cursing of Ares, but it was so stupid and you didn't need to do it. But like, yeah, Frank is just... Frank deserved a lot better. Frank and Hazel deserved a lot better. This is why I wanted ha- I yeah. want Hazel to have a POV in this. Get rid of Leo's POV, put it all in Hazel's. Have it be Hazel's POV because she's more interesting and I like her. Um, oh, I love I'm- Hazel. That's why Son of Neptune is so good because like I love them in that book. 
Yeah, like I have my problems with Son of Neptune, but merely what do I not have problems? With? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, because currently it is the strongest of of the books so far. Because, like I was saying, we're nearly we get to nearly two hundred and fifty pages before we leave the continent. Yeah, I'm a Mark of Athena stan. But even I'm like, yeah, the like this book makes weird choices. But like, I, but I'm I love Annabeth so much that I'm like, I love her book. But even so, it's like not enough her book, and I have like issues with it. Yeah, yeah. She she needs she needed more on this. Um, going into the next character though, because I think we only have a few things to say about this, um, which is Jason. And I kind of like, I've basically said my piece of the whole thing. Like I agree with Hazel, because Hazel said it herself. Like this, she did not expect this from Jason because he'd always seemed to be quite a fair leader and kind. And now like a complete 180 in this situation. I'm like, yeah, because this makes no sense. Um, and the other bit of like, I doubt Nico could have said anything about the two different camps because there was literally a ban on the gods not being able to say anything. So I'm assuming there was probably the same NDNA, uh, not NDNA, NDA <laughs> ban on yeah. Nico as well, because he's probably doing something for us. Although admittedly, we don't ever get a proper explanation for why and how he was going to two different camps and how he yeah. found out about the other one. But that's, that was more Rick forgetting a plot point. Nico's but... very mysterious. <laughs> yeah. But like, other than that, <laughs> it was just, it just makes no sense. And the whole situation makes no sense like they, they should be helping nico i'm surprised that percy didn't bring this up actually nico is the reason why they won the titan war because he convinced his dad a oh god to come and help them he should have brought that up when jason was like because oh, well, he had a crush on percy that too <laughs> and when jason and leo were like oh they were like oh how do we know we can trust him and like percy's like oh well he brought his dad a god to help us in the Titan War, so I'm pretty sure he's yeah. trustworthy. So he helped us win the war. So yeah, and humans aren't commodities. And I think like Piper seems to understand that. Percy seems to understand that. Hazel seems to understand that. Annabeth logically knows that. And maybe has to work on the emotional part, but doesn't say anything homophobic, and that's a win for her. <laughs> um, not that Annabeth's at all homophobic, but I just mean like. She, I don't think naturally it's easy for her to walk into a trap because, like, her logical brain is just like, this is dumb. But she can, like, step past that and be like, no, no, children matter. We should be saving people. Yes. <laughs> and then Frank's just like, well, I know that he's important to Hazel. So, which, like, I mean, yeah. it isn't the best reason, but it's still a good reason. Yeah. And I think Frank seems quite horrified by Jason and Leo's response. And that shows that, oh, yeah. like, he probably would have wanted to. Frank's a sweet boy. I don't see him being like, we gotta leave him behind. Yeah. Although, like he... Frank does have weird lines about Nico when they are together. He's like, yeah, this guy really freaks me out. I don't want to be alone with him. So maybe Frank's a little homophobic too. Yeah. Although it may just be, like, <laughs> I'm a, I know some people are like this with me with, like, with how pale I am and the fact that I can glow in the sun from how pale I am, <laughs> I like, it's natural that people would be a little bit like, concerned <laughs> about being around I mean, me. I... Like, I'm equally, if not more, pale than you. So I, I understand what you're saying. Also, yeah. like, Nico definitely, like, exudes, like, angry energy. So he makes a little bit more sense that he would scare someone like Frank, who's so timid. But with Jason and Leo, like, that's not what's happening. They're not literally scared of this little anemic child. <laughs> yeah, that just dickheads. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's just the recurring theme. But um, yeah. 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 On the dock where Fran and I were putting notes, I just, when it came to the Jason section, my note just says, I hate him, period. And that sums <laughs> it up for me. I really dislike this man so much. Yeah. It's a good summary. I think that's us sort of done with um, the characters. I think the only thing that I had to kind of go into next, which is still sort of character adjacent, is to do with the relationships because I have a lot of feelings. So I didn't write any of them down because I forgot. But <laughs> the hate, and we've talked about some of them as well, like the Frank and Leo situation of how Leo is literally the worst human possible. Um, and he does not understand how to be a good human being, apparently. Um, no, he doesn't. Like I mentioned the whole thing of he's literally gotten. To Frank so much that Frank just thinks everyone just wants him to be almost like a carrier mule of like just carry them places and like he's and, like please <laughs> Percy I don't want to give you a piggyback ride I don't want to do it <laughs> why can't it like why can't people just see me as just someone who is useful beyond being able to turn into a dragon why can't we walk places <laughs> why can't we walk um but Hazel and Nico is the re- relationship I really want to talk about at the moment because, firstly, annoyed about the fact that we do not get much of their relationship throughout this series. Uh, we needed more of it. Son of Deptune mm-hmm. has really good moments, but this is the only other moment we have of them showing familial situations between the two of them. Um, and it's, I just, I love to see Hazel fighting for Nico um, as a brother, but well, as a sister in her case for her brother and just like the love and care that she has for him and how she's like no we can't leave him like not only is he my brother but he deserves to be saved he's a good person um all these sort of things i just and not to kind of make bianca sound bad because i love bianca and her reasons Mm -hmm. are completely logical and fair but bianca didn't fight for nico because she wanted to fight for herself she needed things for herself she needed to have her own autonomy because that's where she was at in life because all she'd done was put Nico first whereas in the case of Hazel it's been the opposite where Nico has protected her he's brought her back to life he's brought her back into this world he's helped her well though we haven't seen it we assume he helped her adapt to this new world and they have this connection of both being from a time that is very different from this one currently with Hazel obviously having lived a little bit longer in the 1940s i think showing someone who's fighting for nico now fighting to protect him fighting to be there for him it's just such a change in for nico's life of having someone who wants to fight to be there for him and to save him i think it's just it was just really nice for him to get that which is why it just makes me really sad that we don't see any interaction really between them from this moment on because this would have been a perfect moment of like him finding out that Hazel fought someone as strong as Jason quotes and <laughs> like someone like <laughs> someone that she looked up to so, well, two older people like they're both older than her she's a younger person fighting for her older brother and it's it's just such a change it would be such a change of pace for Nico for like when he found out that he's able to open up to that relationship because obviously he's always been a little bit guarded even with hazel because of his past experience with a sister that he doesn't really know how to kind of act brotherly towards her has even nearly caught up bianca a few times as well i think this would be the moment that would solidify that hazel is his sister she is not the replacement for bianca 
she is just his sister and yeah. that would have just been perfect and it just it makes me sad that like these perfect relationships that were built up and could have been developed just don't happen yeah i i would have definitely loved to see more i think them being um children of hades slash pluto and they just have so much in common and are so stigmatized um and i think not that like identities are necessarily comparable but i think marginalized people understand marginalized people and nico is like a young gay man and hazel is a young black young woman and i think them having that bond them having the bond of being out of time them having the bond of who their father is like there's so much to develop in their relationship and i love their moments in son of neptune and Rick did a really great job with them then and it actually does help like carry me through where I feel like Hazel's an important person in Nico's life um I also think like Nico has this like certain type of person that he really needs and you can kind of see that like the people who have made Mm. an impression on Nico and are special to him are Percy Hazel and Will and like those are all very like sweet light bubbly characters um Mm. despite apparently Piper thinking that Percy's a scary delinquent don't really know where she got that from because Percy's like a skater boy himbo, but whatever. Um, yeah, and he's I a himbo, I... not a troublemaker. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I'm trying not to be bitter about it, but <laughs> I think um, like I would have loved to see Hazel being a little more like forceful in breaking down his walls as they get closer, because I think that's what you see works so well with Will and Nico's relationship is Will's a little pushy with his love. He's like, Nico, stop being dumb. Like, come on. Like, you need medical attention. This isn't like a, a game of like how tough you could be. Like, get in the fucking medical tent. And I think when he's like, no, we're friends, dumbass. We all wanted you here. Like, come come be a, be a teenager. Stop being dramatic. Um, and I think that works for Nico. And I think the fact that Will's like a deeply kind, sweet, caring person allows him to do that. And I think it would have been really nice to see him and Hazel get to that same point where Hazel can be like, Nico, you're withdrawing again or whatever else. Um and we see Nico do that for Hazel of him of being like you're having these nightmares or you're like stressing about this thing or like this isn't your fault or you don't need to worry about this um yeah so seeing them become protective of each other is really nice and I yeah I hope Hazel comes up in the Nico Will book because that is his family that is his sister and I would love some at least allusion to the fact that they're still in contact yes I need that too because like they they have to have some kind of relationship because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But yeah, um, yeah, I just yeah, it's the one thing that does disappoint me about Heroes of Olympus is that there was so much potential for developing these really interesting and really intricate relationships that are just squandered just to boost up other characters instead. <coughs> Jason, um, <laughs> and unfortunately also Leo. Initially, it's the the two worst characters that you could have focused on, and you focused on them. But anyway, yeah, um, no, I agree. <laughs> but uh, so we talked about Frank and Leo a little bit. I guess the only other relationship is to talk about slightly Annabeth and Percy. And um, you mentioned it a little bit before, but I do, I do agree uh, to do with um, how you think that Annabeth is different than what she was written like in the original series. Um, and you think it could be related to the fact that she's now being written as a girlfriend to Percy instead of her own character i do definitely agree with that because and it's probably going to sound weird because like it is half something she would do but waking percy up in the middle of the night to go chill in the stables 
and talk makes no sense for something Annabeth would do because they need sleep. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah, she no, I agree. Like the alone time stuff, sure. Just get up early. Don't wake him up at midnight <laughs> and be up at midnight to go and have alone time to talk about your feelings and stuff like that. Like it's cute, but it's definitely just. It's not something Annabeth would do. As much as she does loves Percy, she's definitely she won't be doing something stupid that will put them at risk of not being prepared if something bad happens because they'll be conked yeah. out in the stable and also in a dangerous situation of being over a hangar door that could open at any moment. I mean, yeah. This all is a very Percy idea. It would have, I think, made more sense for him to initiate and have to convince her that it's like, okay, we're teenagers. We can, like, do this dumb thing. And her be like, you're dumb. I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to sit off the bay door. Uh, You can sit on it. (laughs) But I'm going to sit slightly to the side of it. Like, the the whole thing, it just, yeah, I agree with you there. The whole situation read very much like something Percy would do and not like something (laughs) Annabeth would do. And just kind of read a little bit out of character. But then there was the additional part of she didn't tell him about what happened with her mum. And that makes yeah. no sense to me. Like, I know she's been, like, private in the past, like, mainly because there were situations that Percy didn't understand. It was quite judgmental of, like, her history with Luke. Luke was family to her. He was someone that she did also then have a crush on, but he was also family to her. They had a long history, one longer than her friendship with Percy. And yet Percy never understood that. So she just didn't talk to him about it. Whereas now they've gone through so much, they've experienced so much that it makes no sense that she wouldn't bring up what happened with her mum and the meeting with her mum. Like we don't even know where or when it happened. Like, it, yeah, I just I remember reading that session just being like, okay, why hasn't she told him? Why hasn't he pushed to know more as well? That just like that would have been a perfect moment of firstly to center a bit more of Annabeth in a more Annabeth way. Center their relationship of like them being each other's emotional confidants. And also not to have like as much as I do love the cheesy thing of just like <gasps> scandal. I I definitely want more of like them just developing as like emotionally mature kids who can open up about each other's feelings and fears instead of just oh did they have sex joke <laughs> like it's yeah. funny but not needed yeah yeah I think um I think sometimes authors underestimate young adults when they're writing young adult books and like how often you need to put some sort of like uh, gag in to like keep the tension or how much but I think also like it's important to to model emotional vulnerability and stuff in these books when you are going to be sort of teaching teenagers about relationships because I think a lot of people read this book and like somewhat like saw this as the guide to what being in a like a teen dating relationship is um yeah I think yeah Annabeth never came across as like a particularly secretive person so I was a little surprised. I mean, obviously, everything that happened between her, her, Percy, and Luke, like, I felt like she did at least try to explain it. And, like, they had actual conflict because she she's not somebody who really keeps things in. And so it was more like they got into arguments over it. 
Um, yeah. Which that was a complicated situation, so fair. So I agree that it's a bit odd. I mean, I know they've had a lot going on, but like we know that they're not talking to other members of the Seven. <laughs> That's been made clear. <laughs> so they had time to maybe like talk a little bit about the fact that Annabeth's life got upturned completely. <laughs> yeah, because also, especially considering the fact that it's going to be another 100 pages until we find out what the hell happened with Athena. <laughs> yeah, like, that's really strange. Yeah, it's just... Why aren't we, Why haven't we found out now? Like, this is the perfect opportunity to find out yeah. the whole situation. And, like, it, yeah, it just it felt just really weird to me because that would have been a great moment for them to be working... Uh, to, to have that conversation because they need to have the conversation it's been a while since they've had a moment to talk with each other and because they were each other's emotional support it means they've also not had the ability to lean on someone emotionally either so yeah yeah i think this it's the recurring theme i want conversation i want to deepen <laughs> meaningful with these characters and all i get is sex jokes basically i mean <laughs> It's funny, but I want deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be good to have more of a balance, I agree. But, uh, what, what do you think? What, how are you feeling about the Persebeth relationship with this? Um, I mean, I think Persebeth gets such good development in the next book. Um, so, like, my overall <laughs> Heroes of Olympus feelings about Persebeth is very positive. Um, this book, I never loved their dynamic like, it's not the strongest, in my opinion, in this book, because I don't like that Percy's quite protective of Annabeth um, when he's, like, doesn't want her to go on her quest and stuff. Um, that was always kind of weird and out of character to me, because, like, if anybody knows how capable Annabeth is, it's Percy. Um, and I think if anybody knows that Annabeth would be frustrated by being coddled, it's Percy. So I think he, I, I see him more as somebody who, like, keeps that to himself because he knows it's, like, a him problem. Um, yeah. And then, like, this, I mean, the stable scene in particular, I think is cute. I think it's quite impractical to be, like, staying up in the middle of the night to talk about a really uncertain future and all of that. And I like in the next book when they use that as, like, a, a motivation to keep going because they're in an incredibly dire situation and they need hope. Um, however, that's not what's happening here. So it is a bit odd. And I agree that, like, Annabeth's not going to, like, give up sleep or, like, training time, like, all these things that are, like, very important to her, um, and so, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that this is, like, the most necessary, even though people who are big Persebeth stands, like, love this moment, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, and I mean, also the mention that you just said there of, like, talking about their uncertain future, considering later on they have that whole, they have their date in Rome situation, you could talk about it then, they could talk about the possible future in New Rome and how they could have possibly burned bridges about that and how they don't even know if they'll survive. So have that connection for the next book. Good have it there because also it would make a lot more sense there because they're also going into somewhat dire situation because Annabeth is going into what is a yeah. very dangerous situation that no other child of Athena has ever survived before. So you'd want to talk about things like that because you want to be optimistic but also you don't know if there'll be an opportunity to say something like this again because you don't know if she's going to make it out sort of vibe. Whereas in this current moment, it really didn't make much sense to talk about it right now. <laughs> like, yeah. talk about the nightmare and talk about your conversation with Athena. Like, those situations make sense there because, like, if it's the Athena stuff, I would get why Annabeth would wake Percy up 
at midnight because this mm-hmm. is the only time she's had the chance to and also as a chance to make sure no one overhears because she mm-hmm. she's concerned about them overhearing about this because she doesn't really know what to make of it and she wants to be sure before anyone else knows sort of thing like that that would be very in character for her i feel yeah yeah i can totally see that but i believe i think that is that is all for us for the uh ghosts and teen drama section of the mark of athena justice for nico d'angelo justice for nico d'angelo 100 (laughs) percent and uh on that line for this week's question of the episode i want to know how do you feel about the leo and jason not trusting nico do you think they're dickheads too if the answer is no um i'm gonna go with your probably biased in favor of leo which is uh question yourself uh if you are <laughs> question <laughs> your taste <laughs> no it's you can like him but just also be aware he's not great <laughs> he's not great as a person <laughs> yeah um but yes that question will be going up on the social media so uh let us know and megan thank you so much for coming on this is this has been a lot of fun yeah thank you for having me <laughs> um uh, just to remind everyone again let them know where they can find you on the social medias and all that good stuff yes okay so you can find the monstrous woman podcast on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts and anchor um you can find me on social media at ml peterson writes on instagram and tiktok and on m as m peterson writes on twitter which i'm much less active on but you can i mean see what's going on in my life through instagram mostly um, and then also the Monstrous Woman pod is on Instagram and we post, in my opinion, very funny content. <laughs> awesome. So all of that is going to be in the episode show notes. So uh, be sure to go down below and check that out. And of course, be sure to leave a rating for the best and camp here on Spotify because then more people can find this podcast that everyone hates. Um, <laughs> and I think that's like my selling point of like, this is the podcast everyone hates. If you're a Percy Jackson fan, someone's got to do me. it. Someone has got to do it. Someone has got to be the most hated Percy Jackson content creator. And I am happy to take up that mantle because everyone does not like me. Um. (laughs) Well, Fran, I love you. Oh, thank you. I have friends, people. This is, see, see, not everything I do is bad. (laughs) No, no, Fran has, um, Fran has all the Percy Jackson friends too. So just know all your favorite content creators are, are besties with Fran yeah validation and (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm here for oh yeah um so thank you all for joining us for this week's section be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue the road with us journey bye everyone to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and basically wherever you listen to your podcasts in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com or if you want to support the podcast you can head over to the patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time.
Bye.